the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I wonder if you struggle with trusting God. Do you find yourself having to trust in something that you can see? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 32, and I entitled this message, A Living Nightmare. I wonder how many times we've interfered with God's plans and purposes because we couldn't wait one more day. I remember it was the week before we closed escrow on this building here, buying this building. And again, we bought a building that we should have never been able to buy. We, we came into this whole thing with like no money. We had $600,000 because a dear saint in our church passed away. She went home to, to be with the Lord and she gave us her house in Century City. So by the time we paid off the house and fixed it up and paid the realtor, paid the lawyer fees and everything, it was $607,000 left because she had called me and my wife and she said, I want to give you my house. And I said, you know, Beverly, that's so sweet, but don't give it to me and my wife. Give it to the church because that could be a down payment for a, a building one day. And she's like, that's a good idea. I'll give it to the church. And she did. And so we got $607,000. Well, when we came to talk to this guy about buying this building, you know, uh, he says, uh, he, once he realized we didn't have any money, he's like, hey, I'm going to sell this to someone who has money. I'm like, but I'm telling you, sir, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was a Jewish man. I said, he's going to give us this building. He's like, yes, you have faith. I deal with money. Okay. So he says, the only way I'm going to, I will sell you this building is if I'm going to make up a contract and it's like, you signed the contract. I want $600,000 down of all the numbers for him to grab. He could have said 300,000. He could have said 800,000. He said 600,000. And that's exactly what we had. He didn't know that. And it's like, I said, I'll give you 600,000 and I'll sign your contract. He says, if you don't close escrow in 120 days, I'm going to keep your money and I'm going to keep the building. I said, okay. So we did it. Me and my wife delivered the check. She rode up with me and we just did it. And so we get to the, you know, about a week out and Dennis Carpellis, my uh, associate in crime. Okay. Uh, he's my baconator with me. Okay. And so, you know, he, you know, we're out and we're eating. I think we were eating pastrami that day. And, and, and he just kind of restored and he grabbed my knee. We were in the front seat of his car right up here off of Pico. I, I remember it like it was a video and he's like, so so, Steve, Pastor, what's the backup plan? And I'm like, because at that point, we were two weeks out. We were about 
$300,000 short. He goes, what, what, you know, what's the backup plan? Because me and Dennis were businessmen. We, we came out of a business world, and you know, he's a very extremely good salesman. He's good at what he does. And so it's like, hey, when you're going into you know, different type of deals and everything, you've you got you know, you to have a few different backup plans. It's like, so what's the backup plan? So I knew exactly what he was talking about because I am the same mindset. Me and Dennis are very like-minded in business. And, so, and I looked at him, and I said, we're going to pray. He goes, yeah, yeah, right, right. But what's the backup plan? And I'm like, prayer, Dennis. We need to pray. And and it's like he wanted to see something. It's like there's nothing to see here. We have to trust God. And and it's like, so the Thursday before the Monday that we had to close escrow, we had got that number down to uh $270,000 $270,000 short. And so I'm preparing my Bible study. You know, it's like, a, it's a little overwhelming. I had to put it out of my head because I just had to focus on the Bible study. I get a phone call from a, uh, a guy from a, a really large church here in Southern California. And, uh, you know, this guy never calls me. Like, never. Like, why are you calling me on Thursday? I'm studying. Don't call me on Thursday. It's like, you know, I'm studying. But, I, you know, I seen him. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. So I, I took the call. I'm like, how's it going? You know, and he goes, hey, how you been? I'm like, good. You know, just a small talk, small talk. He goes, hey, weren't you talking about buying some building or something? I'm like going, yes. <laughs> We're supposed to close escrow on Monday. And he goes, oh, praise Jesus. You know, and I'm like going, well. <laughs> and he goes, what? I go, well, we're $270,000 short. And he goes, wow, you're not going to believe this. He goes, right now, we just got an inheritance to our church. Someone left us an inheritance. I go, he goes, I can loan you that money. And I mean, right then, the Lord was like, don't you dare take that money. And I'm like, ooh. And I'm, I mean, it was just like, it was just immediate. And I'm like, no. Okay, brother. Well, God bless you. Have a great day. Okay. <sighs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to get back to the study. It's like, okay. So well, the next morning, we have to close escrow at noontime on Monday. And we're, uh, we had a, someone gave a $10,000 check uh, over and above the regular tithes and offerings. And so uh, now we're $260,000 short. So I'm laying in bed. I hadn't even gotten out of bed yet. My wife was up and she was doing her devotions and I was just laying in bed and and I'm just, you know, thinking, you know, Lord, I, I don't think I'd do anything different. Like, you know, and I had this peace inside of me. I was just, well, you know, what's the church going to do? Like, what are you going to do to me when you find out Pastor Steve just lost $600,000? God bless you. <laughs> it's like, and I'm just like, and I'm thinking like, ah, they're probably just going to tar and feather me, whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, but I'm just like, Lord, you know what? I don't think I would do anything different. I've really felt that you wanted me to have this building. And I was telling my wife about it one day. I'm like going, honey, it's like, I just think we're supposed to get this building, but it's so much money. How are we going to come up with this money? And that's when my wife walked to me and she said, if we can believe God for this, why can't we believe him for this? And when that woman shared that with me, that was from the Holy Spirit. God used her. I wonder if you struggle with trusting God. Do you find yourself having to trust in something that you can see only? Do you have to see something? Do you have to have that person you can always call? Like, okay, I I got my go-to person. Instead of embracing our gracious Lord by faith, 
Instead of embracing Jesus who hung, bled, and died for you on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. For he's the only one who promised that he would always be with us even to the end of time. That's what Matthew records at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. Guess what he meant by that? I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll always be with you to the end of time. Couldn't he not just wait another day? Just another day? But now they're bowing down and worshiping a golden cow, calling this man-made idol the God that delivered them. This is blasphemy. This is offensive to God. Verse 6 says that they sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Ooh la la. This term means, rose up to play, means that they had a drunken, immoral party. And talking about this very situation, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 7, that the people sat down to eat and drink. They stood up to play and they acted immorally and some of them died. They acted immorally. Yes, they acted in a way where they fell to all their sexual sins. They're ripping their clothes off. They're having sex. All of this stuff in front of the golden cow. This is confirmed by what God said in verse 7. They corrupted themselves sexually. Verse 25 says that they were out of control. And they brought shame on themselves in front of their enemies. Yes, all of our willpower and the ability to make right choices goes right out the window when we allow ourselves to fall into sin. It's been said that sin makes us stupid, and it does. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning toying with sin that you know is wrong. Let this be a warning to us all. Stop before it severs us from our heavenly Father. Sin severs us. And if we think, uh, you know, it's not a problem, I'm kind of toying with it, but I got it. You know, I can handle this. I'm just kind of, you know, not fully partaking. I'm just kind of semi-partaking. Remember what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, for him or her who thinks that they can stand, take heed, lest you fall. Like famous last words. Like, oh, yeah, I can go there, no problem. I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to grind at the club. But, you know, I'm not going to, you know, no, 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 no. I can hang out with all my old party buddies, my party girlfriends and what have you. No, no, you you can't. You can't hang out with your old party girlfriends and guys and you can't. You'll eventually fall. You'll eventually do what they're doing. Well, when God saw it, he told Moses in verse 9 and 10, hey, step aside. These people are an obstinate people, meaning these are a stubborn, stiff-necked and hard-hearted people. I wonder if that would describe any of us here today. Are you stubborn? Are you stiff-necked? Are you not open to change? Is there any area of sin that's been allowed to fester in your life? Well, God didn't like it then, and he certainly doesn't like it today. We need to repent. We need to get right with the Lord. We need to ask God to help us get out of whatever vice is robbing us from becoming the man or the woman that God has called us to be. Well, now God tells Moses, step aside. I'm going to smoke these people. I'm going to roast them. But Moses pleads with God. 
And he pleads with him. He says, you know, Lord, you can't do this. You can't just roast these people. What are the nations going to think around here? It's like, you you made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the descendants of those people that you raised up. You, You can't just wipe them all out. So Moses is pleading with them, which brings up our point, changing his mind. As we pick up in verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind. Wow, praise the Lord. He changed his mind, the harm which he said that he would do to his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets which were written on both sides, and they were written on one side and the other. And the tablets were God's work, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. Verse 17, now when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, wow, there's a sound of war in the camp. But Moses said, oh, no, it's not the sound of a cry of triumph, nor is it the sound of the cry of defeat, but it's the sound of singing I hear. They're down there partying is what they're doing. Verse 19, it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger burned and he threw the tablets from his hands and he shattered them at the foot of the mountain and he took the calf which they had made he burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and he made the sons of Israel drink it then Moses said to Aaron what did this people do to you that you have brought this great sin upon them And Aaron said, well, do not let your anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they are prone to evil. For they said to me, make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what became of him. And I said to them, well, whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. There you go. I mean, where do we even start here? So first, God changes his mind on completely going, you know, just roasting these people. And that should be a great encouragement for each and every one of us today. Because there are days that... We're really good Christians. I'm really good. I look, look how kind and loving I am. And then there's other days that you get behind a Prius driver and it's like, eh, not so much. Okay, I'm just saying, okay. And it's good that these people had Moses to intervene for them. Moses, like most parents, was protecting these people. But now he's ready to give them the spanking that they'll never forget. As Moses enters the camp, the first thing he sees is the golden calf and the people dancing, possibly naked around it in their immorality, and his anger is burning inside. Yeah, you could say that Moses is a little hot under the collar a little bit. And he throws the tablets of stone down with the Ten Commandments, and they shattered into pieces. Maybe this is just a picture of what the people did as they physically shattered God's law by breaking them. Then Moses just 
goes postal on this calf, grinds it to dust, throws it in the water, and makes the people drink it. Here, you want this? Here, drink this. Then he turns to Aaron in verse 21. The man responsible for all of this mayhem, and I'm sure with much restraint, like just put a straitjacket on me when I go and confront Aaron here. And he said, what did they do to you? Like, what did they do that you would do something so heinous, so wicked? You know, what, what did they do to you? Did they, did they hang you upside down? Did they cut off your toes? Did they tar and feather you? What did they do to you? Like, what happened? How did we get to this point? That's when Aaron gives the all-time lamest slash lie slash most outrageous slash exaggerated excuse of all human history. In verse 24, I told them to give me their gold. I threw it in the fire and out came the cow. (laughs) Really? Is that all you got? That makes my dog ate my homework sound completely reasonable. I mean, like, like, I wonder how many times we sound just as bad to God. Instead of just confessing our sin of what we did and just saying we're sorry, we come up with some bonehead excuse like Aaron did. I mean, think about it. God knows how many hairs are in our head, or in my case, how many fell out this morning. He knows our thoughts before we think them. When he sees our sin, he sees exactly what happened. He sees the action. And he also knows the motive of what we were thinking in our mind and our heart as we did it. And then we're going to go to God. Well, you know, actually, Lord, you know, this is not what happened. It's not really my fault. It's like I was raised in this kind of home. And, you know, it's like, no, no, no. It's your fault. Doesn't matter if your dad did it, your mom did it. Doesn't matter how you were raised. Hey, I was locked in a closet. Doesn't matter. You still made the choice to do it. You did it. God doesn't forgive excuses. It says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God, it, it produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. God only forgives a confession of what the sin was. If you beat around the bush, it's not really my fault. It's not really me. It's not. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't get forgiven for that because you're not confessing your sin. Confessing your sin is agreeing with God. I sinned. I blew it. Lord, I knew what I was doing and I did it anyway. You even gave me the warning inside. I knew I shouldn't do this. I knew I shouldn't take that next step. I knew I shouldn't say what I said. And I did. Oh God, have mercy on me. See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 32, 3, says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through the groanings all day. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. See, like, think about that for a second. And isn't that what happens when guilt and shame just starts riding us and condemnation is all over us? Thank God for condemnation. Thank God for guilt because it drives us to a true repentance. Because when it just, it just takes your vitality away. You ever been to that place? I've been there. Man, you're, just, you're carrying this sin. You can't stand it anymore. It's like, oh God, finally. It's like, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. And that's when he comes in and he washes away the guilt. He washes away the shame. 
He washes away the condemnation. And that's why he says, when you truly repent for those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. But thank God there, it's there at first. Because if it wasn't, could you imagine if you never felt guilty? Oh, whatever. Let's do it again. He goes on in Psalm 32 and he says in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you, meaning I confessed it before you and my iniquity, I did not hide it. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Yes, that's when the Lord comes in and he just cleanses and makes new. Well, some of these people were out of control here so much so that that Moses had to draw a a line in the sand. And he says, whoever's for the Lord, you come over here. Okay, you bunch of party animals, get your clothes back on. And if you want to serve the Lord, you come over here. And others, they didn't. Like, we're having a good time. Okay, all right. So he told the Levites, put on your swords and go through and kill everybody. Get the sin out of the camp. 3,000 people. Right there, gone. Then he told the rest, get right with the Lord. You better repent. Which brings up our final point, making atonement. Let's read what happened. Because Moses had to go talk to God about this now. So it says in verse 30, On the next day, Moses said to the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin. And now I am going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, the people, you know, they've committed a great sin, and they have made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if you will, forgive their sin. Now, notice in your Bible, there's a pause there. Some Bibles have a dash. There's a gap there. It's because Moses said, maybe you can forgive their sin. And then like, what am I going to use as a negotiating block here? What can I, how can I convince God not to just roast these people and go nuclear on them? He's thinking about it. He says, but if not, God, if you can't forgive because of your righteousness, if you can't forgive this sin, please blot, erase me out from your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, yeah, not going to do that. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But go on, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Wow. Yes, like the parent that can't find your child. You ever lose one of your kids in the mall? And they wander off at Disneyland and, oh man, you're freaking out. Like, oh my goodness. And you're thinking every worst thought. You're frantic. And then you find them. And once you know they're all there, all their limbs are there and they're safe. Now you're going to give them the biggest spanking of their life for wandering off. Now, Moses was kind of the polar of that, the polar opposite. He already ripped into his people. He already killed 3,000 of them. But now he realizes God could go scorched earth on them. God could literally wipe them off the face of the planet like he did to the Egyptians. 
So in verse 31, Moses returned to the Lord. I'm sure he was thinking, what can I do? How can I mediate for these people who have been so unfaithful to God? What what, what am I going to say to the Lord? How can I apologize for them? What can he use for leverage with the Lord? So that he doesn't bring fire down from heaven and roast them. So he goes to the Lord with all that he has. And all that he has is himself. That's all he's got. And he says in Exodus 32, 32, but now, if you will, Lord, forgive their sin. And then he hesitates. I got nothing. I got nothing to offer. They did something really wicked. But if you can't forgive them, Lord, then blot me out from your book, which I have written. Moses loved these people so much that he was willing to lay his own life down for them. Wow. How many people would you do this for? Maybe a parent would do it for their son or their daughter. But would you do it for a bunch of people that just sinned? Would you do it for some homeless guy out on the street in the gutter? Would you do it for some God that's wasted his life and lived the life of sin? Would you go, well, let me just go take my nice Christian life and go lay it down for this dirt bag that doesn't even follow the Lord? See, God doesn't take him up on his offer. But the Lord must have been thinking, way to go, Moses. I like that. Why? Because Moses had taken on the heart of God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.